This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. I had a husky and my husky had habits. If you have a dog or have had a dog, my husky had habits. Uh, he would always sit on my foot. He wouldn't sit next to me. He would actually sit on my... Anyone have a dog who sits on your foot? I don't know why. I don't know if it's a... It's kind of weird. He had a really bony butt, too. It wasn't that comfortable. I did not find it endearing because I know what else can happen down there. I'm like, all right. But yeah, he would always sit. That was his habit was to sit on my foot. When I would sleep, he would sleep in the crook of my legs. If I was curled up on my side, he'd come in all 80 pounds of this giant, snowy, hot dog, taking on about 500 BTUs, and he'd just sleep right there. And you, I couldn't move him. Couldn't move him. That's just where he slept. It was his habit. I love to take apart coat hangers. Something a little bit OCD about Monty that I never could figure out, but he would take a plastic coat hanger and he would take it apart. He would cut off the hook, then he would cut off, he would bite off, chew off the sides, and then he'd move on to the next one. It just was his thing. Was his thing. Don't know where he got it from. That was his habit. Yeah, another habit that he had was um, involved white bread. Dog loved white bread. And so if you were making a sandwich and you went to the microwave or wherever you kept your and you pulled down the bag, the moment he heard this, whoosh, sitting on my foot, doing this. It was his habit. He heard this and the habit was, I respond, I go, I go get some bread. It was just his habit. When this happened, he did that. Following wisdom is a habit. Did you know that? In fact, the book of Proverbs, which is about wisdom and growing wisdom, wants you to foster a habit of being wise. What's a habit? You all have them, right? We have habits. We have good ones we like to talk about. We have bad ones that everybody knows about. We don't need to talk about them. What's a habit? A habit is just, it's that automatic response that produces the life that I'm living right now. It's my automatic response to a given situation which produces the life that I'm currently living. You have morning habits. All of you have a morning habit. We'll talk about this a little bit later in the message if you want to leave early. Um, Some of them are great habits. Some of them are not so great, but it's a habit. It's a habit. We have eating habits. Yeah. Where we eat, what we eat, how we eat, how much we eat, what we cook, what we don't cook. It's a habit. And it's tough, you know, and I know, it's hard. If you want to change that habit, that's tough, isn't it? To, to make the habit something else, that automatic response to eat that instead of that, and, and not to eat out so much, but to cook more and to order and to prepare meals and to do things. That, that'd be hard in the beginning to shift an eating habit. How many of you know? That's, that's, yeah, that's hard. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Winning that one. Spending habits. Relational habits. How you communicate. How we communicate with people. It's habit-driven. Do you look people in the eyes? Do you talk over people when they're talking? 
Do you listen or not listen? You're talking, your communicating is rooted in a habit. You don't even realize that you're doing it. It's an automatic response. It's my automatic response. But the book of Proverbs would say, let's develop good habits. Habits of wisdom to grow in and to experience wisdom. And the main habit is what it calls is attentiveness. It says, I want you to pay attention to the voice of wisdom. That's the habit. That's the habit. It says, just as an example, I'll just read them for you. You don't, you don't have to turn there. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, be attentive that you may gain insight. In chapter 4, verse 20. My son, be attentive to these words. Be attentive to wisdom. Pay attention to it. When wisdom speaks, I respond. For Monty, heard the bag, the dog was there. When wisdom speaks, when God speaks, when that voice comes and say, hey, let's take that path instead of that path. Let's talk this way instead of that way. Let's order our life this way instead of that way. We are attentive to it. We want the fruit of attentiveness in our life. We don't want to have to work at growing it. We just want it to happen. It's like me and my running habit. I just wish I did it. And I liked it. And so I have to text Doug, one of our other elders. Yep, still hate running. <laughs> still do. But to be attentive to something. Can I show you a, prom, a, a verse? This is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 18. And I, I want you to have this metaphor in the back of your mind this morning as we think about developing a habit. So we've been in Proverbs for five weeks now, just been trying to give you broad strokes of the book of Proverbs. Now this week, what are the habits of wisdom? And then next week, our last week, how do we actually practically apply this to various areas of our life. But listen to this verse. This is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 18. Whether you're following online or, or you're here. She is a tree of life. Talking about wisdom. To those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. I want that life. I want the blessing life. I want the abundant life. Well, then you need to learn how to hold fast to this tree. This tree produces this fruit. So, what I want us to do, if we want that fruit, I want to walk you through some things that need to be up in the branches that supports that fruit. So, if you look at your message notes, there's a tree there. She is a tree. I want to give you three branches, if you will, where wisdom, the fruit of wisdom, can grow. And then, what are the roots that support those ideas? habits below. I'm going to give you three branches then today. I want to give you uh, the, the roots that support those ideas. To help us anchor, I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 20. If you're using your Proverbs journal, it's page 32. Uh, Sloan will have verses up on the screen for you to follow along. I'm gonna, Proverbs chapter 6, I'm going to start with verse 21. Let me give you just a few ideas key ideas, and how to foster attentiveness to wisdom. The Father says this to us, and says, Bind the commandments on your hearts. Tie them around your neck. 
one of the key ideas is I need to learn to bind this to my heart. So if you're taking notes, write down bind in one of those upper circles in the tree. The word bind. It means to tie two things together. If I'm officiating a wedding and binding two together, the two become one. He says, I want you to bind your heart and wisdom's instructions. What is something that you know by heart? You have things that you know by heart. You don't have to think about it. It's just this, you don't have to labor at it. It just comes out. Song lyrics, right? So you know song lyrics. Man, you hear the first three chords, and you're just singing that chorus like there's no tomorrow. You don't have to, you know it. It's been bound upon your heart. I grew up listening to cassette tapes that my dad would give me. My dad was a DJ, and he'd say, here, here's, here's, here's a cassette tape. Here's a cassette tape. Here's a cassette tape. And older groups, it's fine. My son and sons are learning to appreciate that good music was written a long time ago, just the way it is. Um, but one of the groups was the Kingston Trio. Tom, yeah, yeah. That's older than me. Ah, okay. <laughs> great folk trio, great, great songs. And then this song called the MTA. And it began with this vocal prelude. These are the times that try man's souls. In the course of American's history, the people of Boston have rallied bravely whenever the threats of men have been threatened. But today, a new crisis has arisen. The Metropolitan Transit Authority, better known as the MTA, is attempting to levy a burdensome tax on the population in the form of a subway fare increase. Citizens, hear me out. This could happen to you. And then the song goes. Why do I know that? I'm 43. Why do I know that? My mom right now who's watching online is laughing her head off. I probably haven't listened to that song in 20, 30 years. Why do I know that? It's written on my heart. It's been bound to my heart. I don't have to think about it. It's just there. How about recipes? How many of you have recipes that you know by heart? You don't have to think about it. Yeah? You just, you can crank it out. You don't have to go find the Betty Crocker book and find out, oh, is it this many cups or is it this many teaspoons or is it a, teaspoon, is it a pinch of this? Or is it? No, you just know if I'm making this, I need this and this and this and this and you are able to. It's written, it's been bound up into who you are. You know that. If you are one of those older, seasoned bakers and cookers, please write down your recipes, okay? My grandmother, my grandfather knew how to make great stuff. They just knew how to do it. And they didn't write it down, so it's lost. Directions, how to get from A to B. How many of you don't have to think about how to drive to work? That doesn't mean you don't want to go to work, but you don't have to think about how to get there. In fact, if I have to get someplace, like if I have to drive to Covington or Bradford, places that's beyond Pickle, because where I live in Troy, I have to come up, and I come up to Farrington, okay, and then I turn here, to come towards, if I'm not paying attention, the car just will automatically turn off of Farrington towards Piqua. Why? Because every morning, that's what I do. I come to that intersection of Farrington, I just turn and I come here. And there have been times where I've gotten to the parking lot of the church. This is not where I wanted to go. I wanted to get to Bradford, or I was on my way to the other side of Covington. It's just the habit of going from here to there. It's a habit. You don't have to think about it. But I remember the first time we moved, when we first moved to Troy, okay, in the roundabout, 
like the first time, because like things would be labeled east and west and north and south, and that doesn't mean anything at that roundabout, okay? Because roads will just miraculously turn from one to the other. Like, how could I be on this, and now it's off? It would take me 45 minutes to get from one side of Troy to the other just because I was around the roundabout so many times. Like, that looks exactly the same as that one. And like, which, why, why, where are you? I'm on the roundabout and I can't get off. <laughs> but now it's, it's, it's a second nature. You don't have to think about it. It's a habit. Just whoosh, whoosh, I know how to do it. Bind it onto your heart. He says, he says Hang it like it's around your neck, tied around your neck. What are the things that you tie around your neck? Things that you don't want to lose. As a lifeguard, I never saw a lifeguard. Whistle, put it around your neck. Don't lose it. You need to know where it is. Put it around your neck. When I was in college. You'd get a lanyard, a place where you put your ID. It goes around your neck so you don't lose it. He says, you are to live in such a way and think and function in such a way that it's, it's, it's always accessible. It's always there. Someone who has bound themselves to wisdom, wisdom is always accessible to them. They can always get to it. It's been bound up. It's been tied up. Do you remember trying to connect to the internet in the beginning? The modem days? Remember that? <laughs> And you look at the little box would come up on your monitor and you go, and you pray. Like we were so much better Christians back then when the internet didn't work because we prayed so much more. Like, and you try again and you try again to try to get that connection. Now, what? Your phone is like always, always, you can always get to. Wisdom is to always be accessible to me because it's been bound up into me. Binding, one of those branches. Another one, write down the word keep up in the tree. In one of those circles, write down the word keep. I bind it and I keep it. Chapter six, verse 20, right where we're at. My son, keep your father's commandment. And forsake not your mother's teaching. That doesn't mean what you maybe think it means. It means to guard it. It means to make it secure. That's what the word keep means. To make sure it's safe. If you go to England and you visit a medieval castle and you say to the tour guide, take me to the keep, the tower keep, take you beyond the moat if there's one, take you beyond the, the drawbridge, take you beyond the, the first curtain uh, of bricks and walls. It'll take you to the very center of the complex. The keep is often the thickest walls and the most central building so that no matter what might happen as far as a siege goes, that which is most valuable and those who are of most importance could be going to, they could go to a safe place. They would go to the keep. Hardest to breach, hardest to get to. You have to go beyond layers and layers of protection to get to the tower keep. That's what it means to keep this. My, my dad, I think like a lot of guys would have, a, I call it a treasure box. Just a box of things in his dresser where he kept important things to him. Knickknacks, 
mementos. Remember, he'd have some cufflinks in there. I remember he'd have a couple rings in there. Remember, just kind of peering up, and he'd have a couple silver dollars and mementos of this and that. So it was just a little treasure box of things that he kept, kept it secure and kept it safe. And that box was on his dresser, which was in his bedroom, which was the inner part of the house. Things he wanted to keep. Maybe you have like a firebox or a safe at the house where you store important things, passports, birth certificates, pictures, mementos. It's tucked away, someplace secure, someplace inner. You don't put it on the front porch. You don't keep it next to the mailbox. It's not out there for the world. It's inner. It's deep in where it can be watched after and it can be guarded. There's a protective measure here that you have to be mindful of. I'm supposed to protect these things that I've been given and secure them. My, My dad gave me, this is like my first nice piece of men's jewelry, a watch, when I was a sophomore in high school. This was a big upgrade from my teenage Tinja Mutant Turtle watch. I had a little flip top. It was plastic. You know, did you guys flip up the shell? And underneath is like, you know, this was, this was a watch made out of metal. Expensive metals. And it had a fancy clasp on it. So you just put on, snapped it over and had this emerald face to it. It was an expensive watch. What a gift. And I, I didn't want to lose anything to happen. So volleyball practice, I would take it off and I would put it in my locker. And then I would go to practice so nothing would happen to it as I'm bumping and setting and spiking. But you see, I didn't keep the watch. And so one time when I was at practice, somebody else kept my watch. Because I did not secure it. And I didn't keep it safe. If you're not keeping it, you're not paying attention to it. You can't be attentive to something that you're not possessing. Just, just from an observation perspective, this is, this is the first couple of verses of chapter 7. My son, keep my words. Keep my commandments. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. What does he want you to do? Hmm. Hmm. Seems to be an important idea. Keep it. I'm to bind it. I'm to keep it. One more on the top of that tree. And I, you can see this in multiple places throughout the book, but if you want to write it down, chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instructions. Hear it. Bind it. Keep it. Hear it. Write that down the word hear. Write down the word hear. It means obedient listening. Listening that has a faithful action that's attached to it. The parent wants the son to respond a certain way. You've heard what I've said. Are you listening? Are you listening? Did you hear what I said? When I first started out in ministry, uh, I was a youth pastor and I was trying to help a, a young teenage boy learn how to do laundry. Okay? I don't know how he did this. You know the progression, right? Dirty clothes go into the washer, washer to the dryer dryer, fold it. Okay. It's not hard. He's a 
he came up to me, and I taught him how to do this, and he was doing his laundry. He says, um, why are all my clothes wet? When he, when he, yeah, when I take them out of the dryer, they're wet. So she went down to the basement. Show me what you're doing. He did the whole thing backwards. I don't know how, but he did the thing backwards, where he would go into the dryer, from the dryer go into the washer, and from the washer he'd take it out. Now, surely his mom didn't do that. Like, at some point, but what would I say? Say, you're not listening. You don't, you're not hearing what I'm saying. The writer here says, you need to hear what I'm saying. Means there's an obedience that's been attached to it. There's an action that's involved. These three ideas up in the history of, of binding and, and, and keeping and hearing, they're all supported by three habits that grow out of, that we need to learn to grab a hold of. And I want to give you those now. So at the bottom of the tree, I want you to write down these three ideas. These three habits. The first one is acknowledge. At the bottom of the tree, pick a circle and write in the word acknowledge. If I'm going to bind and I'm going to keep and I'm going to hear wisdom in my life so that it produces the fruit that Jesus says is possible, then one of the habits of my life involves acknowledging specifically God. Remember the author of Proverbs will talk about the fear of the Lord. Living in a, a way that you are breathing God's presence. You, God reveals himself and you respond correctly. I need to have a habit of acknowledgement. One of the ways that we can do that is by talking about your morning habits. Everyone has one of three habits. Habit number one is wise intention. Your morning operates around wise intention, and it produces a wise life. Option number two is empty intention. Okay? You are very intentional about what you do in the morning, but it does not involve wisdom does not involve what God would give you. And so it's going to produce empty results. The third option is lazy. There is no intention. There is no plan. There is no purpose. And the book of Proverbs says that this leads to flat out destruction. In fact, if you wanted to read about it, you could go to Proverbs chapter 6. We've been learning about the adulterous woman and how her voice is there. The book of Proverbs also talks about someone called the sluggard. This is Proverbs chapter 6. And I'm sure this doesn't describe your morning. But just as an example, Proverbs 6 verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. means you lazy bum. It's my translation. Consider her ways and be wise without having any chief, officer, or ruler. That means no one needs to tell him what to do. She prepares her bread in summer, gathers her food in harvest. She does the right thing the right way. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. Poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. It gives us a warning. Just call the sluggard Mr. Snooze Alarm. Let's, let's, Mr. Snooze Alarm. 
You guys know what that is, right? Because you have your phone right next to you, plugged in, and it goes off. And so what do you do? Reach over, you're like, eight more minutes. That's all I did. And some of you actually have the gift where you can go right out again. And then sure enough, what will happen? The alarm, the alarm goes off. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, just eight more minutes. When Mr. Snooze Alarm actually decides it's time to wake up, though, Mr. Snooze Alarm rolls over and turns into Mr. Scroll, where we take the phone and then we do what with the phone? We have to scroll through Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or whatever news feed it is or texting. And so we're still not out of bed yet. What the writer of Proverbs say, a little folding of the hands. And minutes go by and the day lacks its intention and it lacks its wisdom that it needs. So let me introduce what one priest calls the heroic minute. A priest named Jose Marie created an idea to help his, his young novices get out of bed and called it the heroic minute, meaning decide when you're going to get up. Get up. Face it heroically. Jump out of bed. Engage out of bed. Get the feet on the ground. And acknowledge the day and acknowledge the God that gives it to you. Don't snooze it. Don't scroll it. Let's move from laziness, from empty intention to wise intention. This day is a gift. I'm going to go at it heroically. For some of you, take the phone and move it to the other side of the room. Don't plug, don't charge it next to your bed. Don't make it accessible. Don't make it in such a way that you can get to it. Here's another thing. It is really easy. Men, because of where your brain is at and not at, when you are just waking up in what, you're in what we call twilight, your self-control really hasn't caught up to where it needs to be. It is very easy to succumb to temptation when you are just waking up. So don't make it an option. Don't make it available. Let the feet hit the ground. Acknowledge God. Put your hands out. Our Father in heaven, be glorified in our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Guide us through our trials. Rescue us from the evil. Go into the day. Acknowledge him. A habit of wisdom. So you need to decide, when is it? When's the waking up time? Now some of you are going to be so sneaky, you're going to pick a wake up time and then you're going to reverse engineer it plus like five or six snoozes. All right, if I'm supposed to wake up at 6.30, that means if I, if I start the snooze alarm process at six, I can still get there. I'm still having my heroic minute. No, you're not having a heroic minute. A heroic minute. Acknowledging 
God. That voice of the sluggard is one of those that still can speak. The body, we don't want the body deciding what should be done. We want to be led by God's spirit and let wisdom direct us. So we're going to acknowledge. Chapter 6, keeping, binding, acknowledging. Another uh, root, apprentice. Apprentice. Again, you have to be in chapter 6. I want to show you verse 20. Write down the word apprentice. I'm going to acknowledge. I need to apprentice well. My son, keep your father's commandments. For snake, not your mother's teachings. Father, mother. The guidance and the wisdom that comes from those who are older than us. Proverbs is built upon the traditions of life. The accumulative wisdom of people learning how to live life well. And gave us the gift of writing it down and putting it down in a place where we could, we could grow from it. A cumulative experience. Faith is fueled at home. This is passed on from a father to a son, from a mother to a daughter. But we live in a bit of an age of a crisis, don't we? Maybe you don't have a mother or a father growing up in the faith. Grandparents. Maybe there was not a structure where you could be apprenticed well into the faith. Very common these days. We're going to talk about that actually this afternoon in our family ministries meeting. What do we need to do to help parents and to help kids? So what do you need to do from a habits perspective? Find a spiritual father. Find a spiritual mother. Ask for mentoring. Ask for guidance. Go into the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ. The early centuries of the church, many were orphaned out of their houses because that was the result of following Jesus Christ. You would get kicked out. So you needed to find a spiritual mother, a spiritual father who could help you grow in the faith. It wasn't going to come from home. But the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, you are my true son in the faith. He bit off the head of the Corinthians church. He says, you know what you guys' problem is? You have no spiritual fathers. You got a lot of people talking about Jesus, but no one actually helping coming alongside of you saying, this is what it means to follow Jesus. You're not following Jesus. You're not listening to what I'm saying. Who do you check in with? What's your spiritual habit? You say, hey, this is how my day's going. This is how my week's going. This is what I'm praying about. Hey, I read this in Scripture, and I don't understand it. Hey, we just had a really big fight last night, and I don't know what to do. Who, who do you check in with? Have you apprenticed well? Proverbs calls us to the value of tradition. Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Wisdom honors tradition. It creates anchors and stability. It's not afraid of tradition. It holds it up and says, hey, there's a way to do things. There's a way not to do things. Pre-enlightenment in the history of the world was a time where relationship was valued. City structures were smaller. Town structures were smaller. And in the center of that was the value of the saint. The priest, the pastor, the aged who was a follower of God who under and, and practiced and shared wisdom. You would defer to the elder of the town. Hey, what should we do? How should we do things? 
Then we entered into the Enlightenment, and great things happened in the Enlightenment, but we stopped valuing the saint, and we stopped valuing wisdom, and we started to value the scientist, because they had an intellect, and they had knowledge. And look at all these advances. So the scientist was esteemed and valued because they had intellect and they had ideas. But now we've moved out of wisdom and we've moved out of knowledge to information into the age of image. The age of image. And so who do we look to to give us our information? Whoever presents the prettiest image. They surely know what they're talking about. They're pretty. I believe what he says politically. He's handsome. I mean, we don't text words anymore. I mean, we took talking and we broke it down to like, you know, we won't even write the word text, T-E-X-T, man. We're just cutting letters out left. We won't even do that. We'll just send pictures of words, like emojis of this, happy face, sad face, thumbs up, little poop emoji because we're sad, because we communicate at the level of image, and we've forgotten the value of wisdom and the place of relationship and mentoring underneath someone who is wise, and we get our info from whoever's prettiest. We don't share truth, we share snaps. Apprentice well. Bind yourself to a spiritual mother, to a spiritual father. Let them have access to your life. The third area, the word apply. This is the word apply. Acknowledge, apprentice, apply. These are the habits. If you look up the word apply in the dictionary, it gives you three definitions. I think all three are helpful. The, the first one is to put something into operation. The second one is to put something on the surface, like to paint on fabric, an application. The third definition of application is hard work. Do something through application. All three of those, I think, are important. Wisdom calls for putting something into operation putting something on top of another, and it calls for hard work. Wisdom means understanding that God has drawn circles where he has pushed back chaos and established order. We've talked about that many times. If you haven't heard that, go to whoishouseontherock.com and get called up. The images of a God creating in the beginning of the Bible, creating, bringing up land from the chaos waters, putting in a garden, drawing a circle and establishing this is where life thrives. And wisdom says, you need to put your life on top of that. You need to find the pattern. You need to see what God has done. Take your life and put it on top. Like you'd take wax paper in first grade or second grade and you'd trace something out. And so I take my life and I put it on top of God's instructions. Like, oh, wow, that's kind of close. Oh, that's not so good. That needs looked at. It calls for discernment. It calls for wrestling. It calls for hard work. As I honestly look at my life and because I want to hear it. So three ways that you can apply the word. You have to read it. Do you have a habit of reading? 
God's word. Book of Proverbs specifically. How many chapters are in the book of Proverbs? Yeah, 31. Good job, Martha. How many days are in, in the month, mostly? 30 days, half September, April, June, November. All the rest have, except February has 28, unless it's a leap year. Right. So you could actually work your way through the book of Proverbs in a daily way in the course of a month. Let the book of Proverbs wash over you. But let me challenge you, don't read it straight through. Because you're going to get to chunks where you want to, and probably around week two, if you do that, you just, you're going to quit. Because if you remember, I gave you a card, an insert on how the book is structured. Let me admonish you to read the book of Proverbs this way. The first third of the book has sermons, admonitions from a parent to a child. This is the value of wisdom. This is why wisdom. Okay. Space those out throughout the other two-thirds of the book. Meaning if I'm going to start tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to read the first message in, in Proverbs chapter 1. I'm going to let it tell me the value of wisdom. Then on Tuesday, I'm going to read the first chapter of the Proverbs section, which starts in chapter 10. As it goes through individual nuggets of wisdom. And the next day I'll read another one. One day of the messages, two days of the Proverbs. One day of the messages, two days of, of the Proverbs. And that way I'm constantly coming back to the why of wisdom, not just the how and the what of life. No matter how you decide to do it, are you in the habit of reading it? Part of your morning habit. Do that for the next four months. See what happens. Read the book of Proverbs daily for four months. See what happens. Not just reading it, memorizing it. Memorizing it. You memorize stuff. You memorize stuff all the time. Don't tell me you can't memorize. I know you can memorize. Most of you memorize how to get here. You know how to get here. No one's checking their phone. Where is it again? Unless you like live in Troy and you're on the roundabout. Like, I don't know which one I go off of. You, have, you memorize. As you go through the book of Proverbs, you, you find a key passage. Here's one to start with. Start with Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. My sons have the one memorized. Memorize it. Because when we're, we're talking about binding, Talk about keeping it, getting it in there. So pick a passage, set it apart for a week or maybe for a month. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on that one. I'm going to put it on a sticky note. I'm going to put it on the mirror. I'm going to put it where I'm going to see it on a regular basis. I'm going to come back to it, back to it multiple times throughout the day because I need to get it deep in here. I need to have it accessible like it's hanging around my neck. I don't need to know, where's my Proverbs journal at? Where's my, where's my Bible at? I read it. I memorize it, the hard one, meditating on it. I'm not talking yoga. I'm not talking about some weird transcendental. I'm talking about the actual practice of, here's what God has said. Here's my life on top of it. I got to think about this. I got to chew on this. God said that relationships work this way. The house I grew up in, relationships work this way. 
how do I do it different, God? And I go to my mentor, hey, I think there's a gap here. Yeah. God, I acknowledge you. I, I acknowledge this is how you've drawn life. And, but when I put my life on top of it, I, the words that come out of my mouth, I mean, that's what dad did, and that's just what mom did, and that's what culture does. And I just, this is the way I talk. God, I, help me draw better circles. But that takes hard work. To meditate to let the Spirit speak to you, to, to, to engage with the Word and let the Word to engage you, to let it poke, hmm. that takes time. It takes reflection. It takes quiet. You gotta stop scrolling. You gotta put that away. Because this work is heart work. It's good work. But it's heart work. The results. I don't want you to miss the results. The fruit of which. If you got into a habit of reading and memorizing and um, meditating, if you got into a habit of acknowledging God, into the habit of uh, apprenticing well, in chapter 6, verses 22, listen. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. How many of you have situations this week that you don't know how you're going to deal with them? Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Literally, you're going to wake up on that day and you're like, I know I got to do this and I don't know how to do it. The person that binds them and keeps these and hears these it says, when you wake up in the morning, she will provide you light. She will speak. Three habits. A heroic minute. Give that a try. Give it a try. Teenagers, give that a try. Just freak your parents out. Because they, they, they come into your bedroom and say, hey, it's happening. Be up, be dressed, and just stare at them when they walk in the door. <laughs> be ready. Acknowledge the gift that God has given you morning. Maybe a heroic minute is a place where you can start. Apprenticing well. Find a father, a mother, spiritual father, a spiritual mother. Come up to me. Come up to one of our elders. That's why they're here. Our spiritual mothers and fathers in our church. Those who've been following Jesus for a while. Applying, reading, memorizing, meditating. Always putting in the work. It's work. It's work. 
You can't Amazon Prime it. Next week, I want you guys to tell me what to preach on. Within context. <laughs> Meaning, take your notes, flip over to the discussion guide that's in the back. The discussion guide is given to you for life group discussions or uh, ongoing individual studies. But towards the end of the, li- uh, the discussion guide is a list of the broader topics that the book of Proverbs covers. Okay, so if you see if you can find those. Back of the page with the tree. Find the tree page and then towards the bottom. What I'd like you to do is pick two or three of those and write them on a connection card. The connection card's the perforated section on, your, uh, on the guide that you received when you walked in. So everyone, tear off the connection card if you'd like to. Yep, 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 yep. That's the big foldy one. Tear that off. And maybe pick one of those topics or two of those topics or three of those topics. There's no other options, okay? I'm not going to say what I said in the first service. My wife's already given me a dirty one. Okay, maybe you heard already. Okay. Okay, but let's limit ourselves to those. Then I'm going to take all of the cards. I'm going to go through and say, hey, for the most part, the church kind of picked this section and this topic and this topic. I will take those, and then next Sunday, we will go through the book. We'll look at the book of Proverbs to those, those topics. Maybe pick parenting or finances or government business, uh, words, whatever it might be. You pick. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll go on that together. But yeah, pick two or three of those and then take that card, put it in the basket during the offering time. And then that's what I'll cover. I'll cover next week. And then believe it or not, after that, we are into the Advent season. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.